G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. What kind of influence are you having on people? Are you a godly influence or an ungodly influence? Are you building others up or are you one of those people that drags them down? Each of us rubs off on others. Pastor Greg Laurie says we need to make sure we influence others in godly ways. When I'm around a Christian, I expect more. When I'm around someone who professes to be a follower of Christ, I am hoping that they're going to reflect that in the way that they live. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Does anyone call you on the phone and it's a caller you try to avoid? Besides telemarketers, you know, some conversations that are going to be tense or maybe discouraging. But here's the question. Is there anyone that you know who might try and avoid your calls? Ouch. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us to consider the way others respond to us. In every encounter we have with people, we can either bring them closer to God or the opposite. Good insight coming your way today. World Changer series, and we're going to be looking at two passages of Scripture today, Hebrews chapter 11 and Genesis 13. Someone asked me recently, what were the best decisions you've ever made in your life? I thought, well, easy. Number one, accepting Jesus Christ, right? I mean, no question about that. That's number one. Number two, marrying my wife, Kathy. That's number two right up there, no doubt. And number three, not wearing the toupee that was custom made for me. <laughs> this is true. What are you clapping? It's true. Hey, uh, someone made me a toupee. Uh, why, you ask? Well, I didn't request it. But my friend Dennis Agajanian, <laughs> who's watching right now, hey Dennis, how's it going? Talked to him this morning. He had a toupee made. And he goes, Greg, you need to get one of these toupees. They're really amazing. And I'm doing Dennis's voice. And he says, buddy, the guy who makes them is a Christian. I'm like, I can't wear a toupee. No, buddy, I'll get one made for you. He'll do it for free. Sure enough, this guy makes me a toupee. You know, and as far as toupees go, it wasn't the worst I've ever seen. It wasn't bad at all. And I felt very self-conscious wearing it because on the inside of the toupee, it said, made for Pastor Greg Laurie. Then it said, praise the Lord, exclamation mark. I'm like, really? Uh, so one time, I, you know, we were out, and I said, I'm going to try, I'm going to wear this thing. Okay, so I wore it. We went to Costco, and there were, the wind was blowing really hard that night, and it was lifting off the back of my head. You know that? That's just a buzzkill when your hair is flipping up in the back, you know? Wow. So, and I just envisioned that thing flying off and landing in someone's lap. Made for Pastor Greg Laurie. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So that was a good decision to not wear that for sure. 
There's a lot of bad business decisions that have been made. I read about uh, an opportunity that came to the Mars uh, Candy Company. Uh, remember the film E.T.? E.T. Phone Home. Remember that movie? Uh, the Little Alien. Well, E.T. liked to eat candy, remember? So Steven Spielberg, who directed E.T., went to the Mars Candy Company and said, would you like to have your candy, M&Ms, featured in E.T.? They said, no, we don't want it. They didn't think the film would do well. So Spielberg went over to Reese's Pieces and sales of their candy went up 65% the same month the film was released. Bad decision. Read about an executive at Decca Records. I was given an opportunity to audition uh, a new band. He listened to him. He wasn't that impressed. He said guitar groups are on their way out. Well, Capitol Records scooped him up. In the first year, they sold $38 million worth of records. And since then, they've sold 65 million records. You probably heard of them. They're called the Beatles. That was a bad decision. Guitar groups are on their way out. I bet that guy was on his way out after he made that decision. Another bad decision was when the Trojans accepted a gift from the Greeks. The Greek army were trying to get into the impenetrable city of Troy uh, to no avail. So they came up with a plan. They would build a large wooden horse known as the Trojan horse. And they put some soldiers in there and they came up to the folks of Troy and said, we have a gift for you. And they accepted the gift, strangely enough, and brought it into the city. And then the Greek army acted as though they were retreating. So the people of Troy are thinking, man, those Greeks are awesome. They, they're gone and they left us this great gift. Thank you, people of Greece. Goodbye. And then, of course, there were soldiers inside of the Trojan hordes who came out, opened the doors, let the Greek army in, and the city fell. But one of the worst decisions ever happened to a group known as the Donner Party. You ever heard of them? Uh, these were pioneers back in April of 1846. 90 pioneers in 20 covered wagons made the journey from Chicago to California. Not an easy journey, but something that was doable. Many were on their way to our state back in those days. This is before the California gold rush broke out. And brothers Jacob and George Donner were leading the party. So they began their journey on the California Trail. That was the way most people came to California. But they met some random person who told them there was a shortcut which they took which resulted in them ending up, uh, many of them freezing to death. 40 out of 87 died. And many of the survivors actually turned to cannibalism. So beware of wooden horses shortcuts and toupees, okay? <laughs> We're all gonna face the three C's of life. Challenges, choices, and consequences. Again, challenges, choices, and consequences. Those challenges may come as an opportunity or a temptation. The hardest thing to learn in life is which bridge to cross and which bridge to burn because choices are important as we will see in the story before us. Go to Hebrews 11, verse eight. We come back to Abraham. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. We'll stop there. 
Abraham is uniquely introduced to us in Scripture as the friend of God. And one day God said to his friend Abraham that he wanted him to follow him and leave his life of paganism and worship of false gods and leave his family and pack his bags and go. God said, I want you and your wife, Sarah, to go to this land. You don't even know where the land is. I'll reveal that to you later. I want you to go. And Abraham obeyed, sort of. He did leave, that was a big step. He did leave his family, that was a bigger step. But he took one family member along with him and that was Lot. Lot was his nephew. And Lot had a detrimental effect on his uncle. Listening to a new beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, the senior pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA. He's talking about Abraham and his nephew Lot today in a message called The Choices of a World Changer. Let's continue. We all know certain people that build us up when we're around them spiritually. And we all know people that sort of drag us down when we're around them spiritually. You know, if you go out for dinner with certain people, you come away feeling closer to the Lord, built up in your faith. Other people, they kind of pull you down. Uh, I think of all the people I've had the opportunity to meet and get to know, and, and I've been able to meet a lot of wonderful, godly men and women that have impressed me deeply. But then I know other people uh, who are Christians, by the way, who are always ticked off about something. You know, they're always mad at someone. They remind me of Don Quixote tilting at windmills. You know, they always have to have an adversary or a nemesis. And, and I get really weary of that, okay? When it's always this person's doing that or that. They're always upset about something. Some people pull you down and after you've been with them, you, you're not looking forward to being with them again. And other people, man, they build you up and you feel closer to the Lord. Lot was one of those guys that was dragging Abraham down. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Follow anything that makes you want to do what's right. Listen, pursue faith and love and peace and enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So here's my question for you. What kind of influence are you having on people are you a godly influence or an ungodly influence? Are you building others up or are you one of those people that drags them down? Now let's reverse it. What kind of influence are people having on you? Are you more like Abraham, the friend of God, or Lot, the compromiser? Are you a world changer, as I've asked before, or is the world changing you? Now having said that, this does not mean we should not have relationships with non-believers. Because Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, when I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. Listen, but I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or those who are greedy or are swindlers or are idol worshipers. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. What I meant to say was you should not associate, listen, with anyone who claims to be a Christian yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or a swindler. Don't even eat with such people. <laughs> Listen, I expect non-believers to behave like non-believers. So I'm not shocked when I'm working out at the gym and some guy 
talks to me and uses uh, you know, some profanity. Oh, I can't believe you said that. Why aren't you more Christ-like? Because he's not a Christian yet. So I want to establish dialogue. I want to engage him. I want to ultimately reach him. I don't expect him to exhibit the behavior of a follower of Jesus. But when I'm around a Christian, I expect more. When I'm around someone who professes to be a follower of Christ, I am hoping that they're going to reflect that in the way that they live. So here's the dynamic in the story we're about to consider. Lot was not a non-believer. Lot was a believer, albeit a compromising one. And that is why Abraham told him to separate from him. In Genesis 12:1, God said to Abraham, get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. But again, as I told you, he brought Lot along. Now, in the absence of his father, because Lot loved his father, he probably looked to Abraham as a father figure. And uh, to Abraham's credit, there was something in this great patriarch that Lot so admired, and he wanted to be around this godly man. Well, this godly man, Abraham, took a detour he shouldn't have taken, remember? Uh, instead of continuing on in his journey to the land God was leading him to, he took a detour down to Egypt. And that's because a famine came in the land, and, and he said to his beautiful wife, Sarah, hey, uh, when you see the Egyptians, tell them you're my sister, because if they find out you're my wife, they'll kill me and take you into Pharaoh's harem. Sure enough, the Egyptians come along, spot the gorgeous Sarah, and uh, Abraham goes with his lie. Sarah, strangely, goes along with it. And then a series of plagues come on the house of Pharaoh, and he rebukes Abraham and says, get out of here, take your family, and leave my country. And this is where the conflict between Abraham and Lot now began to develop. And now we're gonna go back to Genesis 13. I had you turn there as well. So flip over to Genesis 13. And we're gonna read verses one to 13. And by the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So Abraham left Egypt. It says Abram, but I'll say Abraham because his name was later changed. Abraham left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev along with his wife and Lot and all they owned. Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver and gold from the Negev. They continued traveling by stages toward Bethel and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai where they had camped before. That's the same place where Abraham had built the altar and worshiped the Lord again. Lot, who was traveling with Abraham, had become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and many tents. But the land could not support both Abraham and Lot with all the flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abraham and Lot. At that time, Canaanites and Perizzites were living in the land. Finally, Abraham said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come among us or our herdsmen. After all, we're close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want and we'll separate. If you want to go to the left, I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, and I'll go to the left. Look at this. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan River and the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. So Lot took the land that reminded him of Egypt. That's before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them, and he went there with his flocks and his servants and parted company with his uncle Abraham. So Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain, but the people of the area were extremely wicked and continually sinned against the Lord. We'll stop there. All right. So here's Abraham and Lot. They've acquired great wealth. They become very prosperous. There's nothing wrong with prospering. Because if you work hard and you invest your money, and you save, you tithe, and you honor the Lord, and you live a life of integrity, it's very likely that you're gonna do well in life financially. Some may be better than others, but God is gonna bless you as you honor biblical principles. So it should not come as a shock that God would bless someone Lot prospered and Abraham prospered, but the reaction to it was different. You see, Abraham had possessions, but possessions had Lot. Just comes down to the person. Some people may have a lot and not be all that attached to it. They understand it came from the Lord. They understand it could be taken back from the Lord. So their touch is light. But others, man, they hang on to everything. They pinch every penny. They hoard. They're like Gollum in the Lord of the Rings, right? My precious. Got that ring? Don't you dare try to pry it from their fingers. They're all about that stuff. And that was Lot. See, the reality between Abraham and Lot was not caused by the land or the famine or their wealth or even their herdsmen. The heart of every problem is the problem of the heart. And Lot's heart was in this world as evidenced by where he ended up living. Abraham was content with his lot, but Lot wanted a lot more. <laughs> Lot wanted stuff. Abraham wanted God. What do you want? See, if you seek God first, what does Jesus promise? All these things shall be added unto you. But if you're all about getting that stuff and getting ahead and being successful and on you go, then, then you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna lose twice. You won't get the Lord and very likely you won't get the stuff you want. And even if you get the stuff you want, you probably won't be satisfied with it because you'll still want more stuff. And this was the problem with Lot. He wanted to have all this world offers, but he still wanted friendship with God. And the Bible warns in James 4, 4, you adulterers, don't you realize friendship with the world makes you an enemy with God? I say it again, if that's your aim to enjoy this world, you can't be a friend of God. So make a decision. Do you want to be God's friend or do you want to be the world's friend? insight for our lives today based on the lives of Abraham and Lot. So much to learn as Pastor Greg continues this World Changes series. Now tomorrow, Pastor Greg will continue contrasting Abraham's pathway with Lot's. So do join us at the same time tomorrow right here on A New Beginning. If you'd like a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, it's available on CD from Vision Christian Store. Search The Choices of a World Changer. Go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-50-11. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 